0: everybody welcome back to the sexy scary book club we are talking today about fever series book three Faye fever and you just said you don't have a lot to say about this one
1: i feel like i have so much to say you know it's funny because like during the reread i i actually that still makes me laugh reread um i i liked it i liked it more than i remembered liking it but i still feel like i just don't have that much to say why do you think that is
0: I don't know. <laughs> um, I feel like this book was really action-packed for no, me.
1: And a lot happened in this book. And I do, I really, like the world really starts to expand. You really get to know some good characters that you can tell might stick around. Um, Mac gets a little more uh, Mac-y. Uh, <laughs> um You see her start to evolve. Um, I think there's a lot of like good, like you get a lot more like flirtatious dialogue between Barron's and Mac which is nice but yeah I just I don't know we'll see maybe I have things to say and I just don't realize it yeah um I think that
0: change like change versus stasis and that kind of what we were talking about before that dark versus light versus shades of gray Mm -hmm. I think those those themes are really kind of prevalent in this book right um leading up to the end which of course is
1: oof, so problem a rough one
0: problematic yeah but also just really hard right. to read and right. no it, no easier for me to read the third time through than it was the first so well, I
1: actually found that it was harder this time like I really like I had a hard time knowing what was coming and then reading through that like it just it gutted me. Um, and I think the difference is when you're reading something for like the fourth time or third, I don't, I don't know if this is my third or fourth time. Um, you know, what's going to happen and you tend to take your time a little more. Like I found myself enjoying Christian McElter so much more this time around because I wasn't just rushing through to find like Barons and Mac moments, and, you know, <laughs> what was going to happen next in that story. Um, and so I feel like this read, I really, I felt it, man, <laughs> like what was happening to her. And like, it was just, it was it was rough
0: yeah i mean definitely the first time i read it i think there was a lot of shock shock yeah um because i remember feeling you never read the outlander series but it was a similar one okay there's there's a similar kind of shocking scene it's like you don't you can see where it's going, but you yeah. don't know how far the author is going to take it there, and so I, there's a level of surprise when you're like, "Oh, they're actually they did it. They're yeah. going there." Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, reading back through and knowing that it's coming, I, I think it it does make it more difficult because it's just devastating to have yeah. to, you know at this point. I mean, maybe there's still a lot of people out there that don't like Mac um but I feel like during this book you really start to attach more to the character and so knowing that it's coming and and the fact that you're reading through it again isn't going to change what's coming and you're finding yourself what like thinking of ways that she can steer herself away from Mm -hmm. the inevitable um, but knowing that that doesn't change what's been written um. So yeah, I think, it, and it's so. I really like that, especially more recently. A lot of these characters are being written to to save themselves. Mm-hmm. Um. But there's always you always kind of wonder, well, isn't one of the guys going to come in and and save her from this? You know, at the very end. Yeah. Um. And and they don't. Um, and she can't save herself from it either and it's just hard
1: um I (laughs) I guess that was a big part of this book was that it was the first time you realized that like they're not always going to be there and you know it really was just Mac and what happened to her um yeah and you stopped looking to like Vlaine or Barons to save the day Maybe that's actually what hurts even more than the fact that she was gang raped, um, was the fact that like, you lost that that hope or that assurance that one of those guys would always be there to save the day. Like as the reader, you're like, oh, okay, this is going a different route. Right. And I think that,
0: I mean, if we want to back up now to kind of talk about the beginning of the book, th- this book kind of sews the seeds of that i think from the very get-go
1: Oh, there's so much foreshadowing i was like holy cow how did i not see this coming like the first time yeah um i think that even reading it through the first time
0: i knew that something major was going Mm -hmm. to happen at the Mm -hmm. end of this book because she's just really setting the stage for that um but certainly i i didn't think it was going to be that. yeah, I didn't think it was going to be that. I think that I actually, the first time reading it, I, I thought that we were going to meet the Unseelie King. Oh. I thought that he was going to maybe be an, another character that was introduced to the story. I can't even
1: remember, like, what I thought. I think it just took me, like, I think I was totally shocked by it. Like, I didn't see it coming at all. No, I, I definitely correctly. didn't see that coming. Yeah. even
0: when Even when she comes out of the church and she starts to see them yeah and realizes who they are I still didn't think I thought you know I figured it was going to be Barons, of course because he's always the one you want to swoop in Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean for me anyways I I Barons over Blaine any day of the week right um but yeah anyways so so if we want to kind of back up a little bit to to talk about where the book started so it picks up right where where um blood fever left off she had she was on her way to go meet Christian, and she sees the book, and she passes out in the gutter. Um, and so that's sort of where we come back in. She she encounters the book for the first time up yeah. close and personal, um, and gets to have a realization about how the book is moving around because the the last time she had felt it but it had moved away quickly so she kind of didn't understand how it was traveling from place to place and so now we get to have that realization that it is essentially possessing the person that picks it up and causing them to turn evil and commit crimes
1: which I don't understand okay so I mean that's great we got some more insight into the book whatever um (laughs) And why she's decided that keeping that nugget of information from blaine and barons is like absolutely essential like why is that so powerful for her to know and nobody else to know like i think it was a really dumb call on her end to not share that little bit of information like why keep that well i don't i don't understand how that helps her exactly that's why i'm like i don't understand her motivation there like what is the reasoning for that like tell them like they they probably need to know how the book is getting around like I don't know I don't feel like it's like this big piece of leverage and that she kept I don't understand it
0: no I I feel like it was more just kind of a personal meh She's you know like yeah <laughs> yeah like exactly. you're keeping we're stuff for me
1: fine you can play at this game yeah which you yeah. know well we see what happens to her and like you know I they do find out before that happens but right um yeah I don't know Maybe I don't have a yeah. lot to say about this book because I just feel a little weird about this book. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, that's fair. I mean, it's not, you know, it's certainly not something that you encounter very often in this type of book.
1: Right? Rape? They don't, they don't, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, that's what's so interesting. And I think that this was done purposefully that there's so much criticism of like Jericho Barron's being like alpha male and like overbearing and um, and then you get this contrast of an actual rape um, and you're kind of like, oh, okay, no, no, like that's no consent. Like, you know, um, so it is interesting to have the different ends of it, I guess, and I think Barons at even some point says something about rape, how you crawl away from it. Mm-hmm. it was really mm-hmm. weird. Like that was a weird moment too. Um, but then to actually see it happen at the end, and he was right. A little sad.
0: Another fair thing to say about it is that I don't paranormal romance. If you know you would even want to call this series a paranormal romance, it doesn't. It doesn't have to like into this specific type of mm-hmm. category. Like, I don't think that she wrote that scene to be interpreted as sexy. And uh, evo- but I don't think she was writing that to turn anybody on.
1: No, and it's weird because some people did like, like I found a review where someone was like, that's not titillating. I'm like, I don't think it was supposed to be titillating. I think it was supposed to be like an extreme trauma for this character um, and a beginning of, you know, development into her next stage um yeah so well I, and I get and, but what my point is that these books can be a lot of things yeah absolutely. you know they don't they can
0: have romance but that doesn't have to be the driving force behind all of the the plot and action in the book I, I think they can have other things about them in it I don't know I, I don't think it's fair to to narrow the scope of what is okay to write about and, and not. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, look, I didn't have a great time reading about somebody getting gang raped, um, but I absolutely think it was important for her character, Evolution. Mm-hmm. I don't think that she would have been capable of getting to the next stage of, of where she needs to be to deal with what's coming next if she hadn't had that happen yeah I mean I don't want to get ahead because we haven't read the next book to see how she
1: manages after that but um it's definitely the catalyst for MAC 2.0 I think we can say that yeah absolutely
0: yeah um but anyways Anyways. going back so (laughs) she (laughs) so she learns about the Shisa do and how it's moving around and and she right at that point is planning on going to tell Barons. She goes right back to the bookstore with that intent to tell him so that they can make a plan to, you know, figure out how to get the book. Um, and poor Christian's going to have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she goes back to the book and, or the, sorry, the bookstore. Um, and I can't remember exactly how she Oh, she's walking by. She's walking by Baron's office and she sees kind of a weird
1: shimmer thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know what you're talking about. Now I know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so she goes in to investigate and that's, is that when she realizes that he has one of the silvers or did she already know before that, that it was in his office? I don't remember. I don't remember either. Either way, whether I'm she's sorry. discovering it for the first time um, or not, she realizes at that point that it's open or whatever, because I think they can be open or closed. Yeah.
1: She didn't realized when she was like, she's been in her his office yeah, before. Um I know. Anyways, this is where she can actually see into it. It's active. Right.
0: Um, and then she kind of like sees something in there that's scary and slithering and, and that... She something happens where she is realized this that that thing in the mirror has been alerted to to someone coming yeah. and so she hides and she sees baron step out of the mirror and he's carrying the body of a a woman who to mac looks to be dead yeah and somehow he doesn't know that she's there which, which i don't know i, I don't like,
1: buy baron yeah like
0: Super
1: like, he knows everything. <laughs> everything. He has, like, I want to say, like, predatory. Well, yeah. yeah. And he also, he mentions later in this book that he can smell her. He can smell her. So why that moment he doesn't smell her? Because he's got, like, fresh dead woman in his arms? Like, I don't understand it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe
0: he's just preoccupied. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> um, but anyways, he doesn't see her. And so in that moment, she... that moment gives her weight her mistrust of him or distrust of him weight um and we sort of see that throughout this book of the seeds of distrust in both Barons and Vlaine are kind of being sown or she she has kind of made this stand within herself of now I know for sure you're keeping things from me and so I'm not I'm keeping things from you too I'm not I'm going to learn to not count on you or like not, you know, yeah. put all my eggs in one basket, I, th- I think is the phrase that she uses.
1: Which I get like, it's so funny because like, you know, in real life, I'm like, yeah, that's smart. You know, don't trust people. <laughs> like, I just realize it's just you. But then when I'm reading the book, I'm just like, Oh my God, just trust Barons already. Come on. Like, <laughs> you know, it, it I get that you. though, because I would be the
0: same way, especially when you're, um, thinking about Alina and mm-hmm. the Lord Master and how, nah, you know, nah. reading back on that being like, well, pff, duh, like, why would you have, tra-? you know, you've got, you don't want to fall into the same traps. And I think she makes that comparison a few yeah. times. Um, so I get it. But also, yeah, I mean, at some point when you're in this really extreme situation, you you're kind of forced to trust to some degree, because otherwise, well, I mean, otherwise, what happens? I don't know. I feel like what happened to Mac at the end of the book was going to happen, no matter how much she trusted yeah, Blaine, it Blaine have thing
1: about, like, like and, and I mean, I think in all the books, like there's certain things that feel inevitable because they're so foreshadowed by the author. And like, you know, because she is always kind of like, she's telling the story she's giving you, like, she knows what's coming. Um mm-hmm. And there's always that kind of like, yeah, shit's going to get real. It's going to, like, you know, so you know it's going to happen, but. Yeah. So. Um, and then
0: I think another, another theme of this book, and I, I said it earlier, was kind of the darkness growing or yeah. what she calls a savage Mac at this point. I think that's her name for herself. Savage Mac. Yeah. When she, it's herself getting darker. It is. And that's, that's a theme that comes up a lot in this series and, and I think kind of really starts to amp up in this book. Um, she has eaten the unseely in the last book, which we talk about.
1: Which I was like thinking about that too. I've never understood like, the like chunks are still moving, right? And they're immortal. Yeah. But like. Is the Unseelie somehow aware of these, like, random body parts floating around? You or, like, really is it, like, a human, that. like, you know, like, their brain's gone, so, like, they're not aware. That's just, like, their flesh is alive. But does the live flesh have a soul? I don't, like... Yeah, that's a great I
0: question. I don't know.
1: I she certainly never really it.
0: goes there. Yeah. I mean, she, she talks about obviously there's enough of them present at least in the main part of their body that she kill ends up killing them when she finds the unsealia yeah, have been but like dismembered the to kill it,
1: so there's to show mercy yeah. and that's actually mm-hmm. what was making me think of it because like they made the point or you know karen marie moaning made the point to like write that into the last book. So i'm like are they like aware because that's fucked up like you're a piece of goo and you get put in a baby jar and towed it around and then someone munches on you and then like is it still alive once inside the person? Like I don't know. That's, a, that's a great really question. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's that's dark. That's some dark shit. That's for sure. Um Yeah. I did have an um, like realization like right from the get-go in chapter 1. Um Inspector Jane comes and she makes him like the little sandwiches. Of and sealy, so they have tea. See, yeah. What yeah, what did she call it? Tea, tea time. Yeah, well, tea time. But okay. So she makes little sandwiches and she says to him at one point, Go home, inspector, kiss your wife and tuck your children in, count your blessings, don't go hunting for curses. I'm like, she sounds exactly like Baron's when she stumbled into his like bookstore and he was like, Go home, little girl. So it's like it was this moment I'm like, Oh, like she's learning from barons very much so kind of like mm-hmm. becoming him in certain ways and but that he also- that's
0: another thing that that's worthwhile to bring up is that he is going to dispute that at every turn there's a lot mm-hmm. of times in this book and and the books that come before where anytime she tries to draw similarity between them he says I, no yeah we are not the same
1: and they totally are like they get more and more the same yeah I agree.
0: I thought that was interesting though, that he, and I mean, that's, that's another, you know, one of my favorite parts of the book. Um, and I think a lot of other people's too, is when she tries to celebrate his birthday and buys him a cake. Uh, uh, and honestly, even reading through this again, I, I found that scene weird because it was almost like the, the nail painting. Where I don't know exactly when the shift happens with him, but you you can see that he's planning on playing along with this. Yeah. Until the very end, you know, okay, he you know, he's resigned, he's gonna do this for her, and then something in him snaps at the very end before he's gonna go to blow the candles out or whatever. And then he, you know, whacks the cake up <laughs> to the ceiling. Um to the ceiling all the way four stories high, which right. I'm still like the anal retentive person in me is like, how does that ever get cleaned? <laughs> Cause they make a big point where she doesn't see the mural up close. until yeah. So are we just still to believe there's cake up there at the end of book five or whatever? Yeah, I mean, the cake from the end of time. Maybe yeah. Barron's goes and in... actually Barron's probably does go up there and clean it off because he's very meticulous. Yes. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, I thought that was, you know, that's a pretty interesting scene of where you get,
1: you get to see a little bit of weakness, I think, in Barons, He doesn't want her to depend on him, but he's always like telling he's her to depend on him and depend on me.
0: Well, I yeah. think that that's because that's like a insecurity that he has. Yeah. Because I think maybe he's, he realizes that there's, as as big and bad as he is there's certain things that he's not going to be able to save her from Mm -hmm. and so it's it's vital to him that she learns to be able to to depend on herself which is you know part of why he treats her the way that he treats her and then of course the other scene that i like a lot is when she makes her mac halo
1: yeah I And mean, the <laughs> like that becomes its own character <laughs> right um yeah and, and I, also in this book too you get to see more of like the development of Danny and Mac's friendship mm-hmm. um and Danny really loves the Mac she thinks everything Mac does is genius and the Mac Halo is one of those things like well it is yeah like, I mean you got you're surrounded in darkness and you need some light create your light, right? (laughs) She's resourceful. She's very resourceful. Um, And that's why, you know, so many people like hate on Mac, but I I feel like she does, like she tries to solve problems and she keeps going and she doesn't give up. So like, can't hate too much on that. (laughs) Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think
0: just, that's a really cute scene between them where he's just, she's really excited about the invention that she made and she's dancing around the bookstore wearing her, Oh, I guess we should say what it is. It's a helmet, which has been affixed with a bunch of flashlights so that it creates yeah. this like dome of light around you everywhere you go so that the shades can't get you in the dark, um, which I'd be pretty jazzed if I found a workaround for that problem, <laughs> too, <laughs> um, and is dancing all over the bookstore and then notices that Barron's has prepped in at some point <laughs> and is
1: just watching her. Trying not to laugh which has, and you can feel- see like i'm um, in this book you see more of like a lightness in baron's especially when he's around mac um and then there's a whole scene before he comes home for the cake where like she's calls him and like are you coming home and it's like this like what do you mean like that it the bookstore is home to you you know that's my home um and so there was like there's that development that i really like in this book Even if he, like, fucks it all up and throws a cake in the air and gets angry, whatever. (laughs) Because I don't think he likes that either. Because, And
0: that's probably another kind of alpha male stereotype is, you know, they have this this thing about strength and the idea about their character and who they are. And then this woman comes in and she's kind of trying to chip away at this and find this softness. Mm -hmm. Um, And he he doesn't want to let that part of him in because he
1: views it as a weakness. Yeah. I mean, there's also like, they don't explain it in this book, but he can't tell her what he is. There's certain like rules that he abides by and there's danger that can come to her if like he does actually kind of open up to her and share a little more about his past and who he is.
0: Yeah. And I know it happens in is it in this book or was it in the last book? But I don't know if we talked about how she. No, it was in the last book because it was when they came together in the, before they they fight Malouche. Yeah, when she sees into his she... head. Yes, she sees into his head and she gets her, to his kind memories. of yeah yeah, um, which you know they don't explain why that's happening. No. But yeah, so she gets to to kind of live a memory of Barons and then he. Feels her in his head and pushes her back out and says, "You know, never get out of my head. Never do that again." Yeah. Um,
1: well, she so don't you get do much. get to know he's like yeah. in the desert,
0: <laughs> like, right?
1: Like I think that was really the big takeaway from with me. other
0: people around. I think yeah, we have that whole darkness growing in Mac, Um, and then another part of kind of the relationship between Mac and Barons in this book is, is the voice. Yeah. So we, we learn about the voice at the end of the last book because the Lord master uses it on her. Um, and he's going to make her leave the, the tomb with him. Um, but we, we get to hear a little bit more about it in this book. It's a
1: Druid. Yeah. Skill. You get to hear a little more about like the Druids too, which I always like. Like, I think that's a cool component of this world.
0: So. Yeah, and that's the, and we spoke about that in the first episode, but that's kind of where the tie-in to that uh, other series that she wrote prior to this, The Highlanders, where we meet uh, the McKelters. Um So yeah, why don't you talk about that? So eventually she does sit down with Christian mm-hmm. and they kind of share facts with each other.
1: Yeah, <laughs> They so- trade information christian um, kind of explains to her like hey i'm from this like long line of, of druids and we had like they have like a pact with the queen of fey to help maintain the walls between fey and the human world basically and like they've been committed to that but lately their rituals aren't working and like kind of hints at that they're getting into like um like blood at rights and stuff like dark druid magic um, it's the first mention of his uncle Dagus, who is uh, mm-hmm. one of my favorite characters. <laughs> um, but yeah, we kind of go into that a little bit in the history in Scotland, um, and that you know he's really there just to kind of follow Barons. And Christian also sheds some light onto Barons, and that you know he doesn't age. Um, they have pictures from like years and years of Barons looking to be the same exact man, the same age. So I don't know. I always I always like when there's that like reveal like you already knew it but like it's kind of fun when someone's actually there revealing it and you got to live it with the characters so that's yeah and christian was dreamy this time around like i always liked christian but never like i said i think i was always uh tell me more about barons um like the way he's described like I, I really like christian he's got a warmth to him for but, now for now yeah <laughs> i know as i said it, i'm like His his character gets a little problematic, and I know (laughs) down the road too. People like Christian because you know I'm like on a Karen Marie Moaning like Facebook page, um, and like a lot of people love Christian, and a lot of people want to see like Christian's redemption. Um, So, one of these days we'll get to the last book. Maybe we'll get to see that. I don't know. I hope so. He
0: was always one of my favorite characters. I didn't think he got enough airtime. Um, but you know how much can you? There's so many different rich characters in this series that you know. That's the sign of of a good character, I think, is when you want more of them. Of them, yeah, absolutely. I'm waiting
1: for more riotin too. <laughs> we got a good amount of riotin in, you know, the last was that the last book. Yeah, and seen? there's more coming. Yeah, for sure. I love riotin. Um, Ryan is one of my all time yeah. favorites, and I always think of that. I don't know if it's in the first book or the second book where he's on the phone, or maybe it hasn't even happened yet. He's on the phone with Mac, and he's basically like, you know, you got to pick a wave, like, get on that wave and Mm -hmm. go. Um, Yeah. always, like, really stuck with me. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right, Mac. Listen to him. (laughs) It's
0: funny. Well, and, you know, I don't want to get too much into him because I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about him in the upcoming books. But um, you always think of Barons as being this very – focused and pragmatic Mm -hmm. um and strong and stay the course kind of kind of character and he is but Ryden is more so
1: yeah he's like I feel like
0: once you get the two of them together you see that Barons is actually a lot more emotionally driven Mm -hmm. I think yeah um absolutely but you know he's not even in this book so we shouldn't talk about
1: (laughs) him all right what in this book
0: (laughs) Um, well, one thing we haven't talked about. Oh, so yeah. Going back to the voice. So in this book, Mac realizes like, that's a shit. That's a liability. Like I can't be in the situation where the shit could be going down and all of a sudden I'm going to be able to be compelled to, to do whatever somebody wants me to. The Lord Master. Um, She's concerned about the Lord Master. yeah. Yeah. And so she asks, or barons kind of acknowledges yes, yes, voice, I, I know how to use that. Um, and so she kind of gets him to agree to train her, uh, which I think that those scenes um, really highlight what you were talking about in terms of getting some of the more playful banter between mm-hmm. them. Because I think for for barons, I mean, he is taking it seriously, because he takes everything seriously. Um, but he's also kind of using those opportunities to have a little fun.